You're listening to the Lessons in Real Estate Show, sponsored by Mission First Capital, bringing real estate investment deals for active duty and veteran investors. Your host, Anthony Pinto, searched land, air, and sea to find military investors just like you investing in multifamily and commercial real estate, both active duty and veterans. Hear their stories, learn their lessons, and be inspired by the obstacles they have overcome on their path to financial freedom. Whether you are overseas or stationed at home, if you want to get started as a military real estate investor, this is the show for you. And now your host, Anthony Pinto. I'm so excited to have you guys here today on the revamped new and improved version of the Lessons in Real Estate show. I wanted to refocus on my mission here in life uh, with this podcast, and that is to help teach and inspire 1 million military members and veterans to achieve financial freedom through real estate. And as a part of the March to a Million campaign, my call is to show you the path to freedom of time and money, whether you intend to stay in for 20 years or get out next year. And so listen to the stories of fellow military members and investors just like you struggling, overcoming, and achieving success in multifamily real estate, and even some of them doing it while active duty, and really dig into their lessons learned, as well as their failures on their path to success. Uh, But you came here for the show, so let's get to it. Hey, learners, and welcome to another edition of the the Lessons in Real Estate show. I'm your host, Anthony Pinto, and today we have another awesome guest. His name is Vadim, and we've known each other for quite a bit now, and uh, originally born in uh, Ukraine, raised in Los Angeles, and educated in Boston. He did the Boston Razzi Consortium and graduated there in 2015 and commissioned to the Information Warfare Community, Um, and uh, he'll be resigning his commission in 2022 to fully invest in apartments. Um, He's also uh, PCS, or he's also done house hacks and his uh, in Norfolk, as well as joining the ADPI first multifamily investing education cohort in 2019, invested over 2,100 units as a LP. Wow. And also house hacked a duplex using a VA loan. And now he is also working on a real estate investment fund with a few other Navy guys. And uh, yeah, I guess they're all Navy guys as well. So, and run Marine Corps, sorry. But uh, awesome experience. He's got a lot here and, and definitely has a lot to share with the, with the learners here. So Vadim, welcome to the show. Thanks, Anthony. It's great to be here. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, it's uh, it's it's been a long time coming because you know we've, I feel like we've kind of grown up together in this multifamily you know world. Um, you know, both being Navy guys, both being naval officers, and and going through the rigors of being in shipyard and all that, all that jazz, if you will, and you know, meeting up with other Navy vets and other guys to to take down deals. So, um, you know, I I've uh, always had a, a soft spot for guys who you know are along the same timeline as me so i'm glad that we're finally able to get together here today me too me too yeah we uh i think we started getting to know each other before we even started this podcast so yeah it's been a while oh yeah it really has so um so let's kind of start off to, with the show with you know your military background because um you know for me it's not very often i see information warfare guys and what they actually do so let's start there yeah, definitely can't tell you what we do. That's top <laughs> secret right there. No, I'm kidding. Uh, so yeah, I graduated from RTC or commissioned through RTC out of Boston and had the opportunity to commission directly into uh, the the information warfare uh, umbrella community. 
and I went the cryptologic warfare route first and then switched over to information professional. So I've gotten to dabble a bit in both of those worlds. Uh, now I focus on comms on the good old Harry S. Truman. Solid, man. Solid, man. So um, did you ever have, I guess, um, you know, a military background within your family or anything? Because, I mean, knowing, knowing where you grew up and where you were born and, and being in Los Angeles, you know, what kind of instigated you to go, you know, do ROTC and join the Navy? It's a great question. Uh, both my maternal grandparents were volunteers back in what Soviet Union, and they had always told me stories about how much they enjoyed uh, working in the engineering aspect. Uh, and they worked at a yard, and I had considered joining the military, and I was interested in engineering, and so I thought, okay, engineering in the Navy, let's make it happen. So I pursued actually an enlistment initially. Uh, something I considered for after college. And a friend of mine had mentioned to me the RC program. So I took that route, got a scholarship to a uh, very expensive school in Boston <laughs> and got a commission out of that. And I have realized that the Navy is great and I have gotten my fill. I'm ready for uh, bigger and better things. Yeah. Makes sense. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, it's uh, knowing what your aspirations are and knowing, you know, um, that in some ways the Navy is, is not fulfilling what it meant for you. And it's not, um, it's not getting you to where your goals are. Totally understand why you want to, why you want to kind of get out. Um, so I kind of want to dig into something that may not be as real estate specific, but, um, and you may not be able to answer this, but, you know, uh, we see a lot of movies that depict what life is like as a Soviet you know, sailor or being in the Soviet army or military in general. Um, how does your experience compare to what you kind of heard from your grandparents and what, what the Navy's like? Honestly, in a lot of ways, I imagine it's similar. It's a lot of uh, similar bureaucracy and a lot of red tape and uh, a lot of fighting fires uh, and not much uh, forward progress. I think there's a lot of, um, you know, a, a military construct is a military construct. There's a lot of red tape for a reason. There's a lot of bureaucracy for a reason. But for creative-minded folks like us and entrepreneurial folks like us, that's very stifling. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can imagine that um, regardless of whether you speak Russian and, you know, operate in the Soviet Union or, or I guess Russia now, or, you know, operate in the U.S. Navy, it's all going to be the same <laughs> um, at the end of the day. So, no, I was just curious to see if the, if you found any stark kind of differences in how things were organized or, or anything like that. So, um, but it's all good. You're good there. <laughs> so uh, let's dig into your real estate background, because I'm curious you know, knowing, knowing where you started and where you kind of have developed over the last year, let's just kind of get right down to it. You know, how did you get into real estate to start with? Absolutely. I got started after I heard enough uh, fellow officers and enlisted tell me that they wished they had bought their first house during their first tour. They wished that they had bought a house every tour after that. And I thought, I'm not going to have those regrets. You guys have already had them. I'm not going to have. So actually one of the first people that uh, kind of pushed me into, along that path is uh, a warrant officer, uh, Herb Knox. 
Herb, if you are hearing this, thank you. You set me <laughs> on a good path. He uh, talked a lot about his uh, real estate experiences, buying a house on every tour. He became a real estate agent. And I understood that to be a great way to secure my retirement 30 years out. But then I started thinking, well, how do I speed that up? I don't want to wait 30 years to get to that point. How do I speed it up and ensure that I am financially free much sooner than that? And so I tightened up that timeline to 10 years and looked at how to um, really snowball uh, real estate assets. And then I jumped into bigger pockets. I'm sure everyone starts there one way or another. I looked at bigger pockets and realized it's just so much information. How do you choose which path to take? There's, there's little guidance and coaching is really what I needed. I needed a lot more guidance to narrow my focus. And it just so happened that I think it was Mike Foster who was on bigger pockets and mentioned ADPI, active duty passive income. So I jumped ship from bigger pockets, went over to ADPI. And a few months later, they started their first multifamily investing program. And I was on the fence. I'd never paid for any education. Right? I had my college paid for through ROTC. I didn't know what it was like to actually take money out of my own pocket to invest in myself. And that's something I, I'll definitely be glad to hit on more in this talk, uh, mindset and investing in yourself. And so at the time, it was only a thousand bucks to get into the program. And I was, I was wary of doing that. I, I had never done something like that before. And ultimately, I just did it. I jumped into it and it's the absolutely best decision I've ever made. I've learned so much from that program. Tim and Adam, thank you guys. And everyone that's in that mastermind right now. We have some very big hitters in there. Anthony, you as well. Uh, we've got everyone from zero experience to uh, we've got KPs in there. We've got GPs in there, a lot of people. And so I jumped in that program August of 2019. And five months later, I had a 34 unit under contract. And that was simply taking action. I learned the information and I started applying it and I managed to get that through some networking, live networking, you know, pre COVID mm -hmm. and managed to get in touch with the owner directly, negotiated the deal and ended up walking away from that six months later. Uh, the deal did not work the way we wanted it to, but I learned a lot and it set me on a path full of confidence and a larger and larger network of real estate professionals to work with. Yeah. So let's, let's dig into that 34 unit. Cause I, I know the kind of the background behind it, but I'm, I'm I want you to share the lessons that you, that you gleaned from that. So um, you, so you finally go in direct to owner and uh, you know, mm -hmm. it sounds like you did a lot of negotiating yourself um, and, you know, brought in other partners to kind of fill in the gaps for you know, the capital side of things, probably the KP side of things as well. Um, so, you know, what, what happened during that process that, uh, you know, made you decide to change your mind on, uh, you know, going through with the property? Good question. 
we were very close to finalizing the deal late February, early March. And I'm sure a lot of people remember what happened late February, early March of 2020. It's when the pandemic hit and the economy shrunk and loans went to zero. And we were, we were just this close to getting it closed. And there were questions that the underwriter had that weren't being answered uh, by the seller. And so we delayed, 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 had to figure out how to make work in the new COVID restrictions, the, the COVID lending restrictions. And kept going back and forth with the seller. There were a lot of delays in figuring out some of the due diligence items. And it got to the point where the delays just didn't make any more sense. Either we were gonna close or we were gonna walk away. And closing was an option, so we walked away. And you know, a lot of people might say, well, you, know, you already put money into the deal with inspections. You put time into the deal, six months of effort into due diligence and figuring out lending. That's fine and dandy, but some of the best deals are the ones you walk away from. And I, I notch that as a win. So what, what are kind of the bigger, higher level lessons that she got from that experience? I mean, obviously being a, your first kind of large property, I'm sure it was a, a steep learning curve with a lot that you got. But, um, you know, as you as your first deal, what are some of the kind of higher level highlights that you had from that experience? Do you find the deal first or do you find the money first? Mm. One of our favorite questions. And that really showed me that I needed to be talking with people about raising money all the time, whether I have a deal ready or not. That told me that I need to have a pool of potential investors ready to uh, commit their capital to a deal. Because when it comes down to the wire, either you have the capital or you don't. And if you're scrambling in the last two weeks of trying to close the deal to find more capital, that's, that's not a good feeling and it uh, decreases your chances of success. And so I learned real quick to uh, talk to anyone and everyone and identify myself as a real estate investor first before mentioning that I'm also in the Navy. And that also helped with my overall mindset of if I'm a real estate investor, that means I have to do real estate investor things. And that's networking, that's raising capital, that's finding deals, that's partnering, everything that goes into that. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, those all in a nutshell are definitely the high level lessons that I learned. You know, I, uh, it's interesting that you mentioned that you, you identify as a, as a real estate investor before a naval officer. Um, Cause I'd really think that that words have power. And when you identify as a particular manner or you, constantly state to yourself that you're you're acting in a particular manner um it really does come to fruition i mean you know i never really thought that i was a syndicator until i got a syndication done you know i never thought that uh, i was going to be able to be a capital raiser until you raise capital and it's not you know often we have to have these proofs of what we are before they actually occur but you know i i think that a lot of times when you're phrasing for your first deal or trying to find your first deal it's very nerve-wracking to get into it because you kind of, you have this, you have this imposter syndrome and it's, I mean, for, it's for, it's for good reason 
frankly, like, hey, like I had never done this before. I've never raised capital before. I've never taken down a deal before. I've never done all the things that it takes to close on these deals. Um, but I think the good, the good investor that's going to go far understands that and acts in defiance of that regardless. Um, and, you know, it's kind of like the definition of, of courage, like it's acting in face of fear. Like you're going to have the fear anyway. You're going to have the, the, you know, the inexperience anyways and the lack of capital and, and every, everything that goes involved with it. But the acting in, in defiance of that is making sure that you can leverage other people to get those things for you. You can find capital. You can find people to help take you down the deal with you. Um, and, you know, I had a very similar experience in my 34, my first 34 unit um, did not have any of my ducks in a row for that one. And you got a lot closer to closing than I did. Um, but I lost some money on inspections. I lost money on travel fees going out there, but ultimately it ended up being a good deal because I didn't do it. Um, and you know, when we actually went out there, there was a lot of issues that were wrong with the property. Um, so it sounds like you got a lot further than I did. Um, but it sounds like some really great lessons learned you had there. Um, and you know, it's, uh, capital raising is one of those things where uh it is it is difficult to get done when you um have no track record so so talk to me about as someone who you know had that 34 unit yeah you kind of you had a little bit of track record on your under your belt with the house hack as you had and all that how did you get around the fact that you didn't really have a track record and you were trying to raise money for this deal it's a great question i think that's <clears throat> that goes into the imposter syndrome, right? How do you sell yourself uh, to raise money for a deal? And the mindset I think you need and the one I took was that I may not have actual experience, but I learned a lot from very experienced investors. I learned from the ADPI team. I had uh, Jonathan New with me, who has uh, been on the podcast circuit and I also had the deal. It, on one hand, you have the sponsors for the deal. And on the other hand, you have the deal itself. If a deal makes sense, it makes sense. It doesn't matter too much who you put into it, as long as they're generally trustworthy. And as long as they have either education or experience to back them up. And so I focused on the deal. And I worked, I reached out to people that knew me and knew that when I jump into something, I'm all in, and I don't, I don't half-ass anything. And some of them wanted to learn more and, and wanted me to explain how this works, right? The, the beauty of commercial real estate is NOI and cap rate give you the valuation. And that aspect is something that a lot of people don't understand because they're not, they're not exposed to it. And so once I was able to explain things clearly and concisely, that gave a lot of uh, a lot of these people who turned out to be investors in a later deal. Uh, I believe the uh, the warm and fuzzy that I knew what I'm talking about, and that the deal really does make sense. So that's that's my advice: is that focus on the deal first. If you can explain the deal, people will buy in. But if you have to sell yourself, then the deal probably doesn't make sense. Good point. It's a good point. Um, you know, when we uh, when we first took down our Marina Point 104 unit deal in Ham or in uh, Chesapeake, um, 
you know, one thing that really struck out to me when I was working with some of our other general partners is um, a general lack of ownership, I guess, with the process um, and like not knowing the intimate details of the property that you're getting involved with. And, you know, especially as a capital raiser, it's your responsibility, whether you're going to purely capital raise or, or asset manage or be investor relations after you actually close, like you should know the property, like the back of your hand, you should know the deal, like the back of your hand. And, uh, you know, I think that's something that definitely worked out in my favor on the deals that we did is, you know, even if I wasn't lead sponsor, even if I wasn't the guy who was going to be doing a lot of the on boots on the ground stuff, you know, even if I wasn't the guy who wasn't even be directly involved with, with investor relations, like never talk with, you know, never talk with the investors, I still made it my own. And I think that's really what made the difference in capital raising is having the pride in the property and being able to answer the questions that, you know, a lot of people don't think about or having the fortitude to say, hey, I may not know that, but I'll go find out, you know, I'll uh, find out and report back. Um and I really think that does make a difference when you're when you're capital raising is is knowing what you're talking about, first of all, or having the humility to know when you don't know enough and going to find the answer for your investors. And also just uh, being a good person as well, I think really, really says help. So um, it sounds like you were kind of in that boat with the investors you started talking to is you, you knew your you knew the deal, you knew your stuff and you brought on partners to kind of leverage the um, gaps that you had in your own experience or level of knowledge or capital, what have you. Does that sound about right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and there's a lot that you can convey conceptually without having the experience to back it up. Right. And I'm sure that's something you experienced with Marina point where you've never done how many turns are you guys doing there? 60 or 70 turns in there. Yeah. About that. Yeah. You've never done that, but you can speak to it because conceptually, it, the, the concept is pretty easy to understand and easy to explain. And so much like what we do in the military where we have to take and own the systems uh, in our care, and, and that includes our, our people, our systems, our spaces, that's the same thing we do with these deals. We just own the deal. Mm-hmm. And I think that makes it that much easier for us coming from the military side of things to say, no, I know every aspect of this deal. I might not be the decision maker on every aspect, but I know every aspect of this deal. And if there's a a detail I don't know, I'll find out and I'll get back to you. Mm -hmm. I think that's a, that's a really smart way to go about it. Um, and uh, it, I think it, it puts a lot of people on edge when I think about having to interact with investors is like, Oh, like, what if, you know, what if I don't know the answer or what if I don't know this or that? It's like, I mean, you're just, you're human, just like everyone else. Like you're human, just like the investors you're trying to talk to. And I think realizing that and realizing that it's not always a deal that people are investing in. It's the people that they're investing in um, is, is a big mindset shift for a lot of people. And so it, it, yeah, you gotta have a good deal. Sure. But at the end of the day, like, are you the are you the right people for them to invest with? And sometimes it's not. Sometimes the deal. Sometimes you know what you're trying to offer is just not right for people. You know, maybe they're looking for for um, you know monthly cash flow, and you don't offer that. Maybe they're looking for a longer term hold. Maybe they're looking for a shorter term hold. I mean, you know, not every investor is, is perfect for the deals that you're trying to get involved with. And I think understanding that has has been big for me. But it's it, uh, I think is is huge for a lot of people trying to start capital raising is knowing who your investors are and knowing 
what they want. Absolutely. And that's actually a, a very good segue, I think, into something I'm passionate about, which is um, the mindset of sales. I was scared shitless to ask for money. I was scared to find the money for my first deal because I don't like selling. I, I don't like asking people for anything. And it actually took me until the second deal, which was actually the first deal that I closed on, to understand that it's not about selling a, a, um, a product, right? It's about offering an opportunity to somebody that's interested in the opportunity. And if they're not interested, that's okay. They're, they're not interested. And if they are interested, then you just help them see why this, is, this opportunity is the right opportunity. And that mindset shift from being a salesman to a opportunity provider to somebody that is helping people realize their dreams of passive income, their dreams of making this world a better place by providing safe and quality housing, to improving neighborhoods, to improving lives. When you offer opportunities like that, it's, it's not a sale. Mm -hmm. And then you might hear some sales gurus say that's actually the best kind of sale. That's a whole nother uh, lane to talk about. You know, I, I think that's a uh, very poignant the way that you um, point that out. And it's a very subtle difference in how you talk about things, but it's a difference between um, between selling someone something and offering them something that will benefit from, benefit them. Because ultimately, like, yeah, you know that what you're trying to sell in your mind is going to benefit them. But if you can't translate that to them, if you can't um, picture that for them, it doesn't really matter. I mean, yeah, everyone wants to sell everything that they're, you know, that is, is passionate to them that they're trying to sell. Like if I'm a paper salesman, I'm going to go try to sell paper, whether this person needs paper or not. But if you, if you think of it from their point of view and be like, okay, why does this person need paper? And what are the things that they're thinking about when they're trying to make their paper sale? It, you, you just, you start thinking about it in a whole completely different way and started thinking about, hey, I need to make these quotas of 500 reams of paper or something to, Hey, how can I make this the best possible experience for these individuals? Cause I, you know, in my opinion, customer service nowadays is just not what it used to be. So much of what we're doing is being outsourced in terms of customer service. So much of what um, communication wise is going on is so detached and so um, in, in impersonal, impersonal anymore that, having a little human touch really goes a long way and having a little human touch to understand, Hey, um, I know we've never met before, but I want to have an investor call with you because I want you to get to know me and I want to get to know you because then the day, if you put $50,000 into the deal, but it's your last $50,000 and everything goes, goes to, you know, goes to shit, you know, that's on me. That's on me as the person you're investing with. And it's on me to understand, Hey, you know, I am taking your last $50,000. It's probably not the best, best place for you when you have five kids and you know you're getting ready to get out of the navy and you're not you're about to lose all this income so i you know i really think it's understanding the, the perspective of the investor and thinking about it from a place of how can i help them rather than how can they help me absolutely you are 
you are selling the service of improving somebody else's life and they have to be ready to improve their lives as well. Um, and sometimes real estate is the option for them. Sometimes it isn't and that's all right. And the, the way to help transform that is through education and also just sharing your story uh, along your journey. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I you know, I, I'm really, um, I totally believe that the old adage, like you have to show how much you care before you uh, care, but like they care how much you show <laughs> what, whatever the adage is. You got to basically show that you can provide some sort of value add to the, to the people and care about the people before they, you know, care enough to invest in your product. Um, and, and I think that's true when you're trying to dig your well is, is how can I provide value to potential investors? How can I help educate? How can I help talk about the process? How can I help, um, you know, answer questions or whatever else to get these guys on board before you start asking for a hand or asking for a handout from these guys. Um, and I'm sure that's kind of the experience you've had as well. Yeah, absolutely. And they are definitely not handouts, just to be clear. <laughs> these are, uh, these are opportunities, right? We, we create these real estate opportunities and we hope that these investors are excited to put their money into these opportunities to create passive income. Absolutely. Absolutely. So speaking of opportunities, let's talk about this fund and what you guys have going on there. Absolutely. Uh, so uh, Jonathan New, Corey Chonsky and I, along with uh, Drew Ladner, are working on a Reg CF, a crowdfunding fund. And we are excited to bring real estate to the lay service member, right? In general, we as service members struggle with finances. We, we struggle to uh, figure out what to do with some of our C pay, our deployment pay, our, our tax-free income in combat zones. Mm -hmm. And you'll find most service members are putting that into liabilities, uh, depreciating cars, um, clothes, entertainment. Uh, some of that are good experiences. Yeah. We also want to help our fellow uh, service members really develop their long-term wealth. We want to help them have the option to uh, leave the military sooner than 20 years, if that's their goal, or if they stay in past 20 and get their pension to have guaranteed retirement along with that pension. And this crowdfunding fund uh, is intended to offer uh, opportunities into real estate deals for very low uh, entrance costs. We're looking at like 500, maybe a thousand, maybe 1500 bucks just to get a position on one of these deals. So, um, you know, some people who, who listen to this, uh, what, if they're getting started, may not know as much, but, you know, syndication, we talk a lot on, on this podcast and what it is to be in this syndication and, you know, kind of the, um, the intricacies of that. How does this crowdfunding fund that you're making differ from the syndication? You know, how, how, how is it different? How is it similar? It's a great question. In general, it's the same thing. You're bringing a deal with active operators. In this case, that's uh, Jonathan, Corey, and myself on the commercial real estate side of our, of our business. And we bring in passive investors. 
And those are the folks that are putting money into the fund, into the uh, Reg CF. Same thing in the syndication. You've got your active operators and you've got your passive investors. Now, the difference here is that we're able to uh, bring in money to the deal in smaller chunks, which just means we're able to serve more people. Uh, in a syndication, generally the, the two limits are either an accredited investor who's making 200 grand a year individually, 300 grand in a couple, or has a net worth of a million dollars without their primary residence. Or you have sophisticated investors. And at that point, you're limited to 35 in a 506B. Whereas with the Reg CF, there are no limits to the number of investors. We're only capped at the, the amount of capital we're allowed to raise. So those are nuanced differences, but in the end, it all comes to the same goal. And that's about bringing experience to these deals with active operators such as us and passive investors who bring money to the table and get to see uh, quarterly returns on their, on their investment. Mm, makes sense. Um, are you guys buying multiple properties? Are you buying, are you going to throw the CF fund into one property or how does that work? Absolutely. We're going to do multiple properties. There's already diversity in one property in terms of, uh, you know, the number of tenants helps diversify a property's risk, but also we want to spread that risk across uh, location and different properties. Interesting. Okay. And where are you guys planning to invest with the fund? We're looking primarily right now in the uh, Norfolk and greater Hampton Roads area. We've got a few uh, properties and deals lined up and hopefully in the next two, three months, we'll have those deals closed and ready for, for the fund. It's all, man. It's exciting. When are you, uh, when are you guys going to start raising or can you accept capital now? We are not ready to accept capital, but hopefully in about a month or so, we will be able to uh, start those soft commits and our platform will be ready to accept uh, hard commits maybe a month or two after that. Got it. So you should be able to be accepting it, what, February or uh, April? About April is when? Mid-April? Yeah, March, March, April timeframe. Okay. Got it. Cool. That's probably about when this episode will, will be coming out. So awesome. So if you guys are learning or uh, your learners are listening and you want to, uh, you know, get involved with the, the crowdfunding source and fund that Fadim and, and uh, his, his band other Navy guys are, are putting together, um, definitely check it out. And uh, what, what is actually the name of it? Where can I go to find out more about it? Absolutely. The name of our company is Fairwinds Capital Investments. You can find us at fwcinvestments.com. fwcinvestments.com. Perfect. All right. So check that out. If you're interested in throwing, you know, you have five, 10 grand you want to throw into this deal. Um, definitely check it out. Cause it's, it's, um, it's a funding opportunity that is uh, kind of rare when it comes to military, military guys, not too many out there. So definitely a great source if you haven't looked into it. Um, Vadim, you know, you, this has been an awesome time talking with you and, you know, it's, it's clear that your intended path is commercial real estate and, uh, helping other military guys, you know, get in and passively invest in, in, uh, in, in real estate as a, as a whole. Um, but I want to get into the snapshot round because I want to hear what your, your answers are going to be. You ready for it? 
Absolutely, let's do it. All ahead, plank, cavitate, snapshot, tube, tube. All right, here we go. Vadim, first question. What is your number one failure in real estate? I wouldn't say I have failures. I have lessons, but I wouldn't call them failures. And the biggest lesson I've learned is mindset shift, like I mentioned about switching from a uh, used car salesman mentality to a uh, opportunity mentality. Love it. Cool. All right. As an active duty investor, what advice do you have for other military investors to be successful? Two things. Figure out your why. What is it that drives you? And what is the vision you have for your ideal life? With that will come mindset. Once you know what you're after, get after it. Don't let anything stop you. Network with people. Find people that will encourage you and support you along the way. And you'll accomplish your goals. Love it. Perfect. All right. What inspired you to serve your country? And it sounds like we kind of touched on this a little bit. A little bit, yeah. I was inspired by my grandparents. And uh, my whole family immigrated to the U.S., uh, shortly after I was born. And there's just a, a deep gratitude for uh, the country and, and a I think service, you know, whether it's just for a couple years or for 20 or 30, I think any form of service is, is critical to being a good citizen and, and a good member of society. Love it. All right. And the last question for you, Vadim, what is your dream? My dream is to make this world a better place. I think through real estate, I believe through real estate, that's a win-win situation where not only do I get to make the world a better place through uh, safe quality housing, getting to improve neighborhoods, getting to make a tangible and exponential difference in people's lives through the housing itself, but also through creating passive income for investors. Uh, and you can live anywhere in the world and happily make some uh, passive money from these real estate ventures. Love it. I love it. Vadim, again, I've really enjoyed having you on here today and, you know, sharing your, your wisdom and your experience on, on your journey. And, uh, you know, for those guys who, you know, are, are kind of stuck in a rut and don't really know where to get started. I mean, it, Vadim is a, uh, a very good example of what a mindset shift, what networking, what, you know, just raw drive can get you, you know, even as active duty even with spending, you know, a majority of your time on, you know, working for the Navy or the Army or the Air Force or what have you. I mean, it, it can be done and it's, you know, proof is in guys like Vadim. So again, thanks for coming on and, and sharing uh, your journey, really sharing your journey. Cause that's, you know, that's really what it is, is, is a journey. And it's, you know, it's, it's never really ending. You're always growing and learning as you go along. Absolutely, Anthony. And I definitely got to do a small shout out to the Space Force and the Coast Guard as well. All right, might as well say the, the Marine Corps, too, if we're, if we're throwing them in there, too. <laughs> Absolutely. So if people want to reach out to you or contact you, where can they find you? You can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me in the Active Passive Income group as well and on fwcinvestments.com. fwcinvestments.com. All right, cool. And we will include that in the show notes as well. Again, thanks for coming on. I hope you stay safe back in the States and hope you don't get COVID again. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I look forward to seeing this, this crowdfunding fund get off the ground and you start doing awesome things, man. 
Absolutely. You as well, Anthony. Always a pleasure. Thanks for listening. If you are a military investor and found this episode of the Lessons in Real Estate show packed with great information, tell your friends and leave a five-star rating on your listening platform. Every comment is read and appreciated. Don't forget to check out our weekly episodes of PCI Teaches, brought to you by Pinto Capital Investments. Learn about basic and advanced topics in real estate investing. Catch updates on Anthony's journey through Learn and Teach segments. And listen to the tales of other military investors and real estate professionals every week. We'll catch you next time on the Lessons in Real Estate show.